The uh, Old Testament reading is from Psalm 115, verses 1 through 11. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They have noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. They have feet, but they do not walk. They make no sound in their throats. And those who make them are like them. So are all who trust in them. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and salvation. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The second scripture is from the New Testament, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, Washington Park. Good morning, Washington Park. And those online, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Sandy. Um, as was said, uh, Pastor West, Dr. West, is still sick. He said he's feeling better. Last week, my family and I were driving back after visiting supporters and churches, and we said, I sent a text. I said, Dr. West, where are you preaching this Sunday? And he said, it's interesting. I'm supposed to preach at Trinity up in Loveland, but I'm not feeling well, and I tested positive for COVID. And I said, oh, do they need somebody? And he said, can you do it? And Courtney and I looked at each other, and we said, well, I, I guess. Let's see how that goes. And so on the driving through Kansas on US 36 into Denver, we, we said, OK, Holy Spirit, give us something. And so this week, we were so excited to go and, and worship with Wes and Leah wherever they were going to be and I said Wes where are you preaching this week and he said well that's an interesting thing I feel so much better but I still tested positive can you preach again and I said well I don't know where are you going and and what time is it and he said I'll just send you and Pastor Sandy an email and so here we are and so I talked to Pastor Sandy on the phone yesterday and uh, she said what's your sermon title and what's your passage and I said I'll let you know <laughs> so those prayer requests about praying for <laughs> speaking of prayer let's pray loving and gracious God thank you that we can gather that we can hear your word so may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be pleasing and inspiring in Christ's name 
So as you heard, my name is Dan, and along with my wife Courtney and our kids Kira, Caleb, and Caden went somewhere back there, um, we are also missionaries with the United Methodist Church with Global Ministries. Wes and Leah are on their way from South Africa. They've been doing Christian education and training leaders, and their daughter lives in Fort Collins, so they decided to stop there. They're on their way to a new assignment in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and so they are you know, speaking to churches and telling them about the work. Our role, Courtney's role and my role, we're a little different. We're called mission advocates. We were supposed to be headed to Jerusalem, and then COVID happened and we couldn't get visas, so then we were redirected to Nairobi, and then that didn't work out, and all this time we're living with Courtney's mom in Charlotte waiting for these visas to come through. And then Global Ministry said, actually, we want you to go out to the West. Go live anywhere in the West, in the Western jurisdiction in United Methodist speak is, well, that's Montana to Arizona, and then all the way over up to Alaska and Hawaii. All the United Methodist churches in that area, that's where we are missionaries to. We, and that's a, that's a, that's a huge area. <laughs> we chose Denver. I, I graduated from Golden High School but moved away for 25 years, and we just moved back a year ago. And our role... This is really exciting. We get to connect local churches like you with United Methodist missionaries and mission projects around the world. When Courtney and I served in Latvia and Eastern Europe, we did uh, youth training, pastor training. We had a United Methodist camp there. And some people said, well, we're not really into camping ministry. Uh, we'd rather do clean water. And we say, well, great. You can support our colleagues you know, in Nepal and in Latin America. In this role, we get to say, where are you passionate? What are you passionate about? And we'll be able to connect you with a United Methodist missionary or mission project, wherever that is. So I know Wes and Leah wanted to share with you stories from South Africa. They wanted to share with you about their new work coming up in Congo, but, uh, but you'll have to do with me this morning. And so we have these two passages. We have Matthew, and the reason I chose Matthew, and in today's sermon we're going to talk about loving ourselves. is on your website. You've had this Summer of Love series, and you've done John, and you've done Luke, and you've done Mark. So I said, well, we have to find something from Matthew. And you've loved your community, and you've loved your families, and you've loved God. And, well, I think we've heard before that loving God and loving others and loving self is the way that we share light in the world. We've been over 8,000 miles in the car this summer. We're thankful to Enterprise for renting us a vehicle. Our kids have swum in the Pacific Ocean in Southern California and in the Atlantic Ocean up in Maine. And they're both about the same temperature, I think. Um, it was cold in California. Um, but, but on the road, you see signs. And if you've ever traveled between two large cities interstate, you'll go through small towns, you'll go through these small areas, even the, the, the highway you pass, you know, you see something over there, and there's usually a sign that says, somebody famous was born here. Somebody famous stopped here to have a drink of coffee, you should too. You know, somebody is always from some place. And you wonder why they escaped, you wonder why they're not still there. <laughs> you, you, you wonder why they are no longer. And it made me start thinking about our identity and how loving ourself, sometimes the, 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 the most difficult thing about loving ourself is, well, loving who we were, 
Or maybe we, we loved who we were and it's loving who we are. You know, do we love who we were or do we love who we are? That's what the world often asks us. And, and the other thing about talking about loving ourselves, I always, Courtney and I, we've been in ministry for decades, and um, always dealing with this passage is always troublesome because the world, well, we've all encountered how people love themselves. One of the troubles that we have is when people are loving themselves at the expense of others. And so, so we're trying to say, well, well, being close to loving God is loving ourselves. Well, we've seen all the trouble that that's gotten into is when people love themselves. But, but that's how the world talks about loving ourselves. And, and they often pit us with this dilemma. Do we love who we were or do we love who we are? And sometimes what we find is that we, we really loved who we were but maybe we don't love who we are now. You know, there's this funny movie, and I just won't mention it by name because maybe it's not appropriate to mention in church, but, but there's this Uncle Rico in this movie. He's like in his 50s, and he's still talking about being the quarterback of the high school football team. He really loved who he was, and he struggled with who he is. Or maybe the person who was always so good at what they did and then age or health crisis has happened and now they just can't work with their hands in the same way, their mind in the same way, and they wonder, could God, could God even use me? The other side of that is that we love who we are now and we try to hide who we were. <laughs> you know, that's also the world's thing, like cover up who you were, cover up your past, don't let people use your past against you. Love who you are, talk about who you are, curate who you are on social media so that people can really fall in love with you and think you're really something awesome and don't let them see who you were. Because if, if they really knew who you were, and I struggle with this in ministry, I struggle with this in my life, if, if people really knew who I was, and I wasn't a bad person, but just like if people really knew you, like your struggles, your doubts, your questions, your fears, would they really love you? And yet, I think the invitation that Jesus offers us that, that we see with God's love to the whole world in Jesus is that we don't have to choose between loving who we were and loving who we are. We get to love both whether we like it or not, because God loves us. God loves who we were, and God loves who we are. And in your mission statement, some here, it says something like this. It says, um, we're growing towards fullness of life. It's not just loving who we were and loving who we are, but it's loving who we are becoming. It takes a lot of work, though. It takes a lot of work to love the past that we try to hide or it takes a lot of work to love who we are now because we're not performing like we were and I think part of it is because what we're told is that we have to be the center of the story we have to be the ones who are the hero of the story or we have to be the victim of the story and if 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 the, if if we can just be the center of the story somehow, then people will love us. And yet in God's story, we're never called to be the center of the story. It's God's love that's at the center of the story. And we're called to participate in that story. And that's good news and that's freeing because our identity and being loved isn't dependent upon our success. And it's not negated by our failures. 
We are worthy of love because God says, well, I love you. And if you're broken, well, my love's going to heal you. And if you think you're perfect, well, my love's going to show you that you're only, your life only makes sense when it falls in line with others' lives. You know, the problem with the world's love is that sometimes we love ourselves at the expense of others, but God invites us to love ourselves because we can love others. You know, something else the world often says is, well, where is God? Where is God in that? You know, sometimes it's not just the world, it's us. We wonder where God is. And if we talk about God, maybe we don't even wonder where God is. We're just wondering where there's something else that's out there can actually do something to make a difference. There's war, there's famine, there's forest fires, there's... Well, we... We, we all know it. We see the news. We don't have to repeat all that here. We just know that we wish something would happen, something would transform this world, something would make a difference in this world. And we know that all the ways that the world has tried fails us. And that's why people cry out, Where is God? You know, Psalm 115, we heard it today, Not unto us, not unto us, O Lord, but, but unto your name. Because of your faithfulness and steadfast love, unto you may let your name be praised. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Because they know that their, their gods, the things that, that we've looked to to try and cure our ills, they might have mouths, but they don't speak. They might have feet, but they don't walk. They might have hands, but they can't do a damn thing. And yet here is God who says, I am here, and I am here to make all things new, and I can transform you, and I can transform your world. You know, this passage from Psalms, it invites us to live into the truth. It's not where is their God, but live into this. There is their God. And how does that happen? Well, so... Pastor Sandy and I and Courtney and I, we met Pastor Sandy at annual conference this year. We're new to Mountain Sky, and, and we didn't really know anything about Washington Park. And we looked at your website. I mean, and you guys are doing, like, Denver Rescue Mission and Habitat for Humanity. And on the wall out there, there's, like, this Guatemala house build. And you guys do Bag of Hope meals and clothes. And, well, VBS is coming. <laughs> there's, there's, and there's a sign... If you go out this way, it says, be the reason, what is it? Be the reason someone believes in what? In, in good people. You know, when, when you serve meals at Denver Rescue Mission, somebody's going, there is their God. When you participate in VBS and provide hope to kids, the people in the neighborhood will say, well, there, there is their God. The United Methodist Church has missionaries. The United Methodist Church is global. We, we are, the body of Christ is around the world, and, and the United Methodist Church gets to represent that because we have, we have communities around the world. And it's not just the United Methodist Church, but Methodism in general. We have, there are Methodists around this world, and, and, and we're all part of this body of Christ. 
And we all know, again, the news, blah news, right, that the United Methodist Church doesn't always get it right. We're struggling. But here's the cool thing is that one of the ways the United Methodist Church does get it right, and when we get this right, it is amazing, is that we are connectional. We support each other. There's this group. I mean, this church has been around for 100 years. Well, the faith community was like 130 is when, like, what a history. You guys have had a group called United Methodist Women, now called United Women in Faith. I don't know. Do you still have one here? Not anymore. But United Methodist Women support missionaries around the world. This, you know, United Methodist Men support missionaries around the world. There are prayers that support missionaries around the world. Have you guys ever heard of something called UMCOR? You know, like when there's a... Yeah? Yes. <laughs> yes, we have. When there's a disaster that happens, it says UMCOR is there. The Disaster Response Agency of the United Methodist Church, UMCOR. You know, for every $10 that you give to UMCOR, $10 makes it to Ukraine or to the, to the fire, forest fire help up north of here. Pastor Oleg, he's the DS in Ukraine. They're still struggling over there. It's not in the news as much anymore, but life in a war zone sucks, right? And, I mean, it's awful. And you don't have medicine. You don't have water. You don't have food. But because people gave to UMCOR, they're able to, like, if you gave $100 to UMCOR, Pastor Oleg can go to the cash machine and pull out $100 and go and buy water. That's amazing. That's how we're connectional. And when somebody gave $50 and another church gave $50 and one church raised $1,000, you know, they gave this money to UMCOR. And when the flood, the tsunami happened in Tonga, they're able to give relief. And then, the, you know, there are Christians who care about what's happening in Ukraine. And I think you're, you're in this room as well. But, but there's Christians in Romania who care about what's happening in Ukraine. And they heard about these refugees. And so Bob, who was 72 years old, and he loved his past life but was wondering, well, what am I about to do now? He's like, I have a van. And so the United Methodist Church in Romania gave him money, and they bought mattresses, and they bought medicine, and they bought water, and he stuffed it in his van, and he drove to the border, four hours to the border, sat at the border for over two hours waiting to cross into the war zone, drove to Pastor Oleg and Pastor Yulia. They unloaded, and people were like, whoa, there's food, there's medicine, there's mattresses. And then there were people who said, can you take us with you? He said, yeah, get in the van. And they drove back all this way, and Bob was just happy to do it because he was serving. And people said, there is their God. That's where God shows you know, United Methodist missionaries, we help connect this body of Christ around the world. We help shine light and love in practical ways. So Wes and Leah, they were training people in education and health and becoming um, ministers and workers in the church in South Africa. Now they're going to do that in DRC. Patrick, He's from Texas, but he's in Cambodia right now, and he's working with survivors of trafficking to reintegrate them into society. Mountain Sky supports United Methodist missionaries like Ken Coombe, who's in East Angola, helping them with their finances, and Krista Givens, who's working with an international church in Spain. When Courtney and I were in Latvia, it was interesting. We'd ask Latvia, the United Methodist Church in Latvia was like the poorest of like the mainline churches there. But people would come, and we'd say, well, why? We're just curious, like, why do you come? You know, the Baptist church here, the Catholic church, they have lots of money. Why aren't, and they said, well, 
and this isn't to say anything bad about other churches, so don't hear it this way, but, but that what they said was, well, uh, they talk about feeding people. They talk about clothing people. They talk about caring. But the Methodist church here is actually doing that. That matters to us. And the reason that we're able to do that in these other countries, the reason that the pastors in Latvia are able to do what they're doing is because people support missionaries and people support global ministries. We moved to Latvia in November, October, end of October. And if you know anything about Latvia, it's located right, right up by Santa Claus, really. And so in October and November, it's dark and it's cold, and it only gets more dark and more cold. And Courtney's birthday is in January, and it was still dark and cold, and we were alone, and we were, we were trying to make new friends, but it's so dark and cold, everybody's staying inside, and they're huddled down, and, we're, and we go to the mailbox, and we open it up, and like birthday cards come pouring out. And we're like, where did those come from? Well, United Methodist Women publishes a prayer guide and in there and now it's email addresses but back then it was like physical addresses and churches from across the US would see whose birthday was coming up and they would sign birthday cards and they would send it to missionaries and that gave us the light we needed to get through that dark time praying for missionaries whether they know it or not helps sustain them sending them an email that says hey we're praying for you encourages us and supporting us financially that helps well it doesn't help we're not a charity. This is what happens when you pray for missionaries and when you give money. You join God's holy work of healing the world because it's helping people in other places get water. It's helping people in other places learn how to grow food. It's helping work on justice and free people. You know, when you support missionaries, people in other parts of the world go, there, there is their God. When you work at VBS or pray for the VBS workers who are sore and tired and their back's breaking and they want to, like, sleep until 9 in the morning but they have to come to church, right? When you pray for her and the others, right? It is that people can say, there, there is their God. Well, I think it's actually more than that. I think that as people see what happens here and see you serve at Denver Rescue Mission and as you support missionaries around the world, people don't just say there. There is their God. There is their God showing up. There is their God bringing hope to the world. There is their God bringing light. Instead, they move to a stance where they're saying, whoa, there is, there is our God. I'm not alone anymore. Now I have a reason to hope. Now I see light in the darkness around us. You may have heard a benediction in church. Benediction is like the person at the end goes, oh, and go and do this. And it's, some people take it as a blessing. Some people take it as like a chance to give a second sermon. But that's not going to happen today. But sometimes what you hear is, love and serve God and love and serve your neighbor. And I'm really wondering if there's really a difference between loving and serving God and loving and serving your neighbor. I mean, is there actually a difference between loving and serving? The Matthew passage today says, love God with everything. 
and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love, love your neighbor with everything. I mean, when we're loving our neighbor, we're serving our neighbor. When we're serving our neighbor, we're loving our neighbor. When we're struggling to love ourselves, if we serve others, we begin to love ourselves and love them and allow love to grow. And when we're doing that, we're loving God. And, and I just wonder, I wonder how this week, how this week you might live. How you might serve and how you might love others so that people can say, there is their God. I wonder how you might love and live and serve this week so that others might say, there is our God. Hallelujah. Amen.